It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training. Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com. Patrick Carroll, welcome to the show. Welcome to Become Your Own Superhero. Thank you. Thank you. Really nice to be here and really fun to be here, um, especially talking, you know, from one side of the planet to the other. Well, Patrick, it is a thrill from my end, certainly, and, and our guest list, our audience are very diverse, interested in many different topics, but I don't think many of them have experienced the kind of work that you do. And I'm very, very grateful and I'm very excited to have you on to share some of that message today. And I'm going to start with a heck of a question that I hope you can answer. Okay. My, my question is, is this, do you know why I am here on earth? <laughs> That's a great question. It's a it's a really good question and and actually a question that most people are walking around, you know, in the back of their heads. Um, and I and I and I can answer it for you because, I've, you know, you and I have had some talks and, you know, we spent some time together. And and the answer, Laban, is this. You are a very bright light on this planet at this time. Um, you know, a highly evolved entity that has incarnated into this world at this time. And, and that in itself is pretty special, but you have this ability to take that bright light of who you are and distill it down and synthesize it into conversations and insights and inspiration that help other people live their lives to the fullest and to achieve the work that they came here to do. And that's why you're here to help this planet at this pretty damn critical time to help other people. And you do it so well. So your work speaks, your work is the answer to that question. Wow. Uh, I didn't really know what to expect or expect any answer to that. And we haven't, I haven't asked you this question off camera. Um, we haven't prepared any of this stuff. Thank you for sharing that with me. That uh, it's a huge compliment, incredibly humbling. I suppose the next, the next obvious question is how do you know this? Huh? Um, that, that gets into, you know, the whole evolution of, you know, that led, leads me to what I do now. But uh, the simple answer is um, I can see energetic fields. 
I can see into multiple dimensions. Um, I can see energy. I can see people's energy. I can see your energy. I can identify various frequencies of the, of, of the energies that make up what you are. And, and over the years and decades that I'm working on all this and, and got familiar and understood all of this, um, I can I can identify who people are and 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 what they do, um, and what's going on with them, uh, in being able to interpret the different energetic frequencies and the different dimensions that they're connected to, um, and how that all evolved is kind of a long story. But that's that's the answer is I can see people's energy and I can I know enough about the structure and the kind of the scientific aspect of these multiple dimensions which keys off a lot of quantum physics and quantum mechanics stuff. Um, then I, over the years I got familiar with it and I can identify it, track it. So I suspect there, there will be someone listening to this that's almost turned it off. Yes. They're like, they're, they're like, hang on a second. This is some real crazy stuff. But there was there was something you said in an interview with a mutual friend of um, of ours, Vanessa Browers, and you said that quantum mechanics, the stuff that you are talking about right now, mm-hmm. is just technology that we don't understand yet. Correct, absolutely true, and and it's coming into this direction of multiple dimensions and different energies and how they work, and you know, time operates differently in different dimensions. Uh, but this is all science. You know, I mean, you can Google this and this is, this is hard science now that they are, uh, that the quantum, the whole uh, quantum mechanics field is now uncovering and, and, exp- and, and replicating. They can do the experiments and they get the same result every single time. So under the scientific method, it's proven. They proved it, that these things that they don't understand it, they can't explain it. But they prove that these things exist, which is really kind of the world that I live in and that I work. The, I mean, that's really powerful in itself. I didn't realize it was to that extent. But I suppose for someone who's just heard this this phrase, this this, this language, these phrases for the first time, what are what are some of the smaller examples that people do day to day that they don't realize that ties in with this stuff? Well, the other the other part of, of you know my my work is kind of a mashup this big mashup of of of, of shamanic um, principles, um, quantum mechanics, and Jungian analytical psychology. Carl Jung, of course, the famous psychiatrist from uh, Switzerland a uh, hundred years ago. Um, what he did was he mapped the human psyche. He mapped not just the brain and the mind, but what he did was he actually came together with this fully integrated, comprehensive description of, of, of humans, including their souls, including that divine channel and, and you know, whatever you want to call it. And, and Jung presented this to the world saying, look, here's who we are. It's incredibly complicated. It, it, it involves, you know, all sorts of stuff. But the, the spiritual aspects, for example, he referred to as the numinous, the numinous. And, but he integrated all that. So, again, there's, there's, there's hard science, very structured 
kinds of, 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 of strategies from medicine and psychiatry that all mash up into, into this, this world that I play in and, and what we all play in. So if you start to understand it, your whole life starts to make sense and you can start actually actively participating in the creation of your own life and expand into spiritual channels or, or, or creative channels. It's just understanding, you know, the, the engineering. There is an engineering to it. We just don't understand it yet. But I kind of have this rudimentary um, structure that I've put together, and it works quite well. And I've been able to adopt it to a adapt it to a a specific healing modality that I work with. Now you focus on a very specific part, which we can go to in a minute. But that that long winded story about how you got into this, I'd love to hear if you're happy to share. Okay. Yeah, um, the, I'll try to give you the executive summary, but uh, ever since I was a kid, I was able to perceive energy and people, other people's emotions. I just knew what was happening. I remember one time I was in the store with my mother and maybe I'm like nine years old and I walked past this woman and, you know, in the, in the produce section of the market and I stop and I, and I look at her and I go, oh my gosh, that woman is really sad. Why is she sad? And, and this movie starts to play in my mind. And I said, oh, I see her. She's got a, a child who's very sick. Oh, the child's in a hospital. And I kind of see this whole thing. Uh, oh, the, I, uh, the, oh, I see that that child's going to die. And that's why she's so sad. So I had these kinds of experiences. But no one could explain it to me. I tried to talk to my parents about it. And, you know, ah, you're watching too many cartoons, you know, get out of here. And I grew up in a very strict Catholic family in the 50s. And, you know, there was certainly nothing there uh, that would explain anything. So I just thought it was crazy. I mean, literally, I just, I don't know, there's something wrong with me. None of this is real. Um, so I'm just going to kind of, you know, die someday because I'm nuts. The, the next chapter was I had the advantage of, of I, again, you know, I was going to Catholic school. I went to an all boys Catholic high school, but it happened to be taught by a particular order of priests that were liberal in the sense, you know, compared to the regular traditional Catholic church. So part of my high school education was being introduced to other religions around the world. And I went, well, hey, that's interesting. You know, the Catholic Church can't help me, you know, understand and explain anything about what's going on. Maybe there's something out there. Maybe some of these other religions, the other spiritual kinds of things going on around the planet. Maybe maybe there's something there. So, you know, I, I start through high school and college. I go through, you know, various uh, spiritual traditions in, you know, from India. And I do a lot of American American Indian spirituality and certain peyote uh, ceremonies and things like that. And, you know, it doesn't really give me any answers other than, yeah, there's some other stuff out there that they, they have some explanations for me. It's not really it, but I, so I continue on through that various years and I stumble into um, uh, a Jungian therapist in Los Angeles and I worked with her directly for six years. And then I'm introduced to Jung's theories of, of the structure of the psyche. And I'm like, oh, my God, here we are. Finally, somebody can explain to me the, you know, what humans, how they work, how the brain, the mind, the heart and, and the soul are all 
integrated together and how it all works. So that was a revelation to me. I move on from there, uh, kind of, again, decades, decades go by. And you know, 11 years ago, through a very interesting set of synchronistic occurrences, which I won't go into, I'm introduced to a group of very advanced shamanic practitioners in, uh, in Marin County above San Francisco, California. And I'm talking to them about all these weird things that have happened to me in my life. And they kind of smile at me and they say, look, kid, I wasn't that young, but, you know, anyway, I was a kid to them. You know, I said, look, we understand everything you're saying. And I'm like, oh, my God, finally, you know, somebody. And they said, look, come with us. We'll 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 bring you in as an apprentice and we'll train you and, and teach you all this stuff that's happening to you. And when you're done, you can be a practitioner like we are and you can go out and, you know, heal people and, and accomplish great things working in these energetic dimensions. And I said, look, guys, I have no interest in being a practitioner, but I certainly are going to are going to join you because I want to figure all this stuff out for myself. That led to a very arduous three years of work. And again, you know, lots and lots of drama about that. Uh, but other spiritual entities came in and, and were part of my training during those years. I'm working with these real master level shamans, but there's all sorts of new spiritual relationships that, that you know, and other from other dimensions that people come in and other, the other, other entities, guides, if you want to call them spiritual guides. Um, so the, the three years comes to an end. Um, I did a lot of kind of healing during that, during my training period, but the three year comes around, I'm saying, Hey, cool. Good. Hey, I'm good. Thanks guys. You know, I'm out. And, and I want to just go back to my little world and I owned an insurance business. It's like, look, that's great. I'm out of here. Um, I don't want to be a practitioner, not interested. And they're like really encouraging me. Look, you know, Patrick, you're pretty good at this. You know, you help, you, you helped a lot of people during your training three years. And I said, yeah, I, no, not interested. So I leave the group and I'm getting texts and phone calls. Hey, Patrick, you don't know me, but my friend, you know, you really helped my friend. And, you know, you can, you know, I went, you know, I want to work with you because maybe you can help me too. And I had this horrible thing happen to me and, and, I, and I'm saying, look, I don't do it. You know, I don't do it anymore. That was just part of a training and I'm out and, you know, go somewhere else. And, and this kept happening. I mean, people just coming out. Of, I mean, I don't know who they are. They get my name or, you know, my text. And, and, and so they, and they kept, they all told me the same thing. When I told them, look, there's a lot of shamans, Google it. You know, you've got a whole bunch of energy workers and shamans and stuff. And, you know, go work with them. You know, get out of here. I don't want to do it. And they all said the same thing to me. Look, my sister or my friend, we've been to all those people. You're the only one who helped you know, my friend or my sister, you know, you're it. This is it. There ain't nobody else. And they all said the same thing to me. So it's like, well, ah, she, you know, I, it came down to after a while, you know, if God asks you to do something, are you going to do it? Yeah. And the answer is, you know, you bitch and kick and scream and, you know, do whatever you want. But sooner or later, you're going to do what God asks you to do. And that's basically what happened. I called, you know, my spiritual guides together and say, hey, what's going on, guys? Come on, leave me alone. And they said, no, well, you, look, you're the real McCoy, dude, and, and you can really help people and we need you to do it because there are not very many people on the planet that can do what you do. And I'm like, ah, eh, okay, all right, all right, all right, I'll do it. You know, leave me, you know. But I said two conditions. 
I said, I'll do it on two conditions. One is I don't have a website. I don't market myself. I don't have a brand. People who need me, you lead them to me. But I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I don't want to have a big presence, especially when you kind of learn what I, you know, the specialty work that I do. And I said, the other thing is, look, I don't want to work. I'm not a coach. I'm not, you know, I, that's not what I do. I don't balance auras. You know, I'm not a light worker. You know, I don't do raking. That's not what I do. I said, if I'm going to do this, you send me the toughest, most challenging, darkest, scariest, ugliest things to work on. That's what I want to do. Or I don't do it. And so they said, okay, deal. And I kind of thought, just to wrap up the story, I kind of thought, you know, uh, no website, no marketing, no nothing. You know, the world is going to forget about Patrick in about six months. You know? <laughs> Every, everybody will forget about me, you know, and, and, and you know, leave me alone. I go back to my little life and I run my little business and, you know, I, you know, I go hiking on Sunday and, you know, everybody will leave me alone. And, uh, you know, it's not what happened. Um, I did get a lot of people come to me purely from referral. It's then it started to go outside the U S and I'm getting, you know, uh, the UK I'm hearing from the UK, uh, you know, I don't know, Germany. Uh, there was a case in, in, uh, the Netherlands, uh, all by word of mouth, all by referral. And, um, to the point that it became full time. And, um, so I ended up selling my business. I sold my real estate in Los Angeles. I bought my, my, my ranch in the forest in Oregon. And I retired up there and it it has been full-time ever since. Again, no website, no branding, nothing. <laughs> it's just all I can think about is that Cal Newport, Be So Good They Can't Ignore You book, uh, which relates to nothing that you do, um, but everything that you are about with regards to this and that. And, and uh, in terms of people finding you, if you are watching or listening to this now and you are resonating with what Patrick is saying, Patrick, would you please explain the level of help that you can offer with, with the work that you're doing? You mean like my specialty work? Correct, yeah. When I was in my training, what I thought was purely by coincidence um, you know, my, my, I, I just worked with a lot of women who had been raped and it was always fascinating to me because they, because these rapes had occurred, you know, quite some time. I mean, you know, years or even decades ago and, and yet they could not work themselves out. It never faded. The trauma was just as much, you know, a grip on them as it did you know, 22 years ago when they were in college and that guy raped, you know, or they or they were, you know, their grandfather molested them when they were 11 years old. And that was fascinating to me. It's fascinating. It's like, why doesn't that fade? Why, you know, they've been to psychiatrists and psychologists and, you know, taking the antidepressants and, you know, they, and so I started really working in these, in these different dimensions. And I realized that major violent trauma get stuck in a particular dimension. And this particular dimension does not operate in ordinary time the way our dimension does. So that, that trauma is locked up in the psyche and actually sometimes other places. But if we go back to Jung's, you know, we use Jung's terminology. There is a massive 
trauma of terror and rage and pain from that rape or that sexual violence, whatever form it takes, and it gets stuck. And it's like a, a, a computer virus. It just loops. It's just looping in the background all the time, below consciousness in that woman's psyche. And it's as if the rape, she's being raped 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And that's why these rapes never fade. The trauma, they can't get past it. And what I realized was that psychiatry and psychology, they're working in the wrong place. I mean, it's very cool stuff and I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, I mean, it can be very effective, but when there's violent trauma, particularly sexual trauma, the psychologists and the psychiatrists, they're looking in the wrong place for the solution. It's not in that area of treatment. It's you got to go into the dimension where the trauma is stuck and lots of other stuff. I mean, very often, there's an energetic link between the perpetrator and this woman or, or man. Um, and so that the energy, they, they're still connected to that perpetrator. Um, and sometimes even the perpetrators died, but I can see the link that perpetrator and very often sexual predators maintain energetic links with their victims. They feed on it. And so I kind of was able to put all this together and start to experience it. And then you, once you kind of find it, you I had developed techniques to clear it and just sever the energetic links with a perpetrator, get rid of them. A lot of times there's demonic stuff there. You got to deal with that, which is a little scary, but I figured out how to deal with that. And you can, I cleared all the stuff out and literally sometimes one set, one 90 minute session, uh, this person would end that session, stand up and go. And for the first time she goes, it's gone. It's, I'm free. It's gone. And so that's, that's the work that I do. And I, I work with some military vets that from what, what's called in traditional you know, modalities, they call it PTSD. Um, but again, it's these horrible, really dark energies of, from the battlefield that get locked in and you got to go into those dimensions and clear it out. So that's kind of started during my training. And, and after that, that's about 80% of the people who contact me have sexual, sexual violence of one form or another um, that they bring to me because they've tried everything else. No one's been able to help them. And I can track and clear it. And, you know, they're finally free of it and they can go live their lives. Uh, it, it, Patrick, it's just so unbelievable, like, that you would deliberately seek out to take on that burden and and you would only do that if you were capable of hand, handling that burden, uh, which is clearly something you've been able to do. And I'm really fascinated to know what are some of the negative consequences of survivors or, or thrivers of sexual violence? What are some of the, the negative things that happen if they don't deal with this stuff? Chronic depression. Um, uh, physical issues that energy gets stuck or can 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 link into their physical bodies from that dimension where the trauma is. You know, there's, they're, they're very close links energetically to their physical bodies. Um, you know, intestinal disorders, 
sexual dysfunction, a lot of sexual dysfunction, um, because there's a lot of energy. I mean, enormous, bad, traumatic energy in in a woman's physical body. I mean, in her lady bits, you know, there's a lot of really horrible things that happened there in that in that part of her physical body. And that energy will just stay there and, you know, interfere with all sorts. I mean, just the ability to enjoy a romantic relationship, the inability to uh, conceive a child can prevent that. And lots and lots of stuff, depression, um, suicide. I've had over the years, many people that I've worked with who have said to me after we completed our work, They've, I've heard this, I don't know, you know, I don't know, seven, eight, 10 times. They said, I'm going to tell I'm going to be honest, Patrick, now that we're done, I want to, I want you to know when I was referred to you, uh, I was, I was just about ready to take myself out. I didn't want to live anymore. It had been too hard. It's been going on for decades. And I told God, if this, if this guy can't help me, that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to take myself out. I'm, I'm done. And I've had several people tell me that, uh, that if it was not successful. Um, yeah, so yeah, no pressure there. I'm, I'm glad they didn't tell me that at the beginning of our work. Uh, but in any event, that was very gratifying to hear those stories. And I probably heard that 10 times over 10 years. Far out. I mean, congratulations uh, <laughs> for, for you literally doing God's work. And, and, for people that are listening that have experienced any of this negative, horrible stuff, is there any ideas, tips, or guidance that you could share now that might alleviate some temporary pressure? You know, I, I, I've 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 found that I, I you know I'll do it like you do with your clients. You know, Lebon, you do it. I do an intro call, and that intro call, you know, can sometimes be you know, I mean, it's anywhere from twenty minutes to two hours. And I don't, you know, I don't charge for that. That's just kind of you know, they get to know me, and I get to know them. What I found is, at the end of that in, intro call, they experience an enormous sense of peace. And this is the answer to your question, just from the concept that number one, somebody understands. Somebody finally is understand and is able to articulate what's happening to me. Even if I can't articulate it, somebody understands and can articulate it back to me and explain it. Why I'm having this problem and I can't shake it and I can't, you know, come on, snap out of it, you know, which is what so many of their friends would say. Ah, just, you know, the past is the past. You're, you know, kind of all that new age stuff. Um, and so the answer to your question and people who may be listening is, look, there is a structure. You can, you can treat this. You can resolve these problems. There is a whole, uh, there's a whole engineering to the, how these traumas work. And you understand that there's hope. And, and that's really the issue is, you know, it's like if you had a, you know, cancer and you go to the hospital and you speak to the oncology team and they say, look, we get it and we know how to deal with it. 
and we can help you and we can we can remove that tumor. We've done it a hundred times and we can do it for you. Just that knowledge, even though you haven't even taken any chemo or you know, there's no treatments, they go home, that cancer patient may go home that night and go, oh my God, somebody knows what to do. There's hope. They've done this before, you know, and they sleep very well that night, maybe for the first time. So to those people who may be, you know, tuning into the podcast here um, that may have had these kinds of things, maybe there's just, I can give you some hope that there is a structure. This does make sense. And it's, and it's, we can work on it and we can clear it. So brilliant. And yeah, thank you for sharing that, Patrick. I know that'll help, that'll help a number of people listening to this right now. Uh, I, through my access to the gamblers helpline. Now I never experienced any of the sexual violence. Mine was just as a child of divorce. And I've spoken about this a lot. I got access to the, the a, a psychologist through the gamblers helpline. I got a year and a half free counseling from this amazing woman, Lee, and she wore her, the burden of the world on her face. She mm. was, she had aged far faster than her biological age and, and to me, it seemed like she'd just taken on the weight of the world. And my question to you is, how do you deal with taking on such a huge burden? That's a great question. I get asked that a lot, actually. Um, and the, it's kind of a simple answer. When a surgeon is performing an operation to remove a tumor, in his patient or her patient, the patient is on the surgical table in front of them. And they are working on that person separate from themselves. And when they remove the tumor, they don't take the tumor into their own body. They remove the tumor. It remains separate from the practitioner, from the surgeon, and he hands it over and he dumps it in that stainless steel bowl, you know, that they have, you know, right beside the table. And the, they take the tumor away and they incinerate it. At no time does the surgeon ever take the cancer into his or her own body. And that's a really good analogy for what I do. Um, I deal with a lot of really ugly kinds of stuff and, you know, uh, but I never take it into myself. I always keep my client in front of me. I'm working separate. We never connect. Very rarely I might connect just to kind of figure something out. And then I disconnect and I continue to do the work. And I literally, people call me a trauma surgeon. I've got this, you're a trauma, dude, you're a trauma surgeon, man. You just work with, you know, energy trauma rather than physical trauma. So when I lift that, I can lift out a massive trauma or rage or fear that's that's accumulated from you know these these violent events, whatever they are. Um, I don't take them in. I'm not. That's that's an empath, and that's different. The way you keep it is the, the way I keep safe and sane is it's always outside of me. I take that traumatic mass and send it right up to the light and essentially incinerate it. Just like in a medical um, environment, 
they take that that cancerous tumor that they pull out of a physical body and they take it away and they incinerate it and they destroy it and it's gone. I do the same thing energetically um, and incinerate the trauma once I've removed it from my client's energetic body. So I never, it never touches me. I'm always working separate. My client is always in front of me, separate from me. Like I said, occasionally I'll, I'll, I'll touch into it just because I need to, or sometimes it'll bleed over and I'll have to put up a shield. But most of the time, um, I'm, I'm working exactly like a surgeon and removing it surgically and then incinerating it uh, without ever bringing it into my own field. Well, that's a damn good explanation. <laughs> I want to give you an opportunity to toot your own horn for a second here, Patrick. Uh, I, I would love for you to share some of the success stories. If you're at limited, limited to do so, obviously you keep names and whatever out. But um, And before I get you to answer that, if you're happy to do so, I want to share a quote or a statement that um, a guy, Steve Hardison, I don't know if you know that name. He's a. I do. Yes. I, I know who he is. I've not met him, but I know who Steve is. Yes. So I, I had the privilege of speaking to him on the phone just before for like 20 minutes. And wow, cool. And for people that don't know Steve Hardison, Steve Hardison currently charges a million dollars a year to be coached by him. And I got wow. 20 minutes of good stuff. Um, but I, I, his his video impacted me, which I'll link below for the audience, which I would encourage people to watch, which relates nothing to do with this, but everything to do with this. But he said, he said, Laban, what's the worst thing in the world? And I said, I don't know, Steve. He said, false humility. Hmm. False humility. Hmm. And so I wanted to, sh- to say that to you before you had an opportunity to share a success or some success stories from the work you've been doing. I, I can tell you a couple of, of, of really good stories. I mean, in general, freeing people from the trauma of, of sexual violence, either as adults or children, in itself is pretty rewarding. And, and I've, you know, I get heard the stories about, you know, look, you know, Patrick, you were my last hope. I mean, you saved my life, literally. And that's pretty humbling, you know, just on that. But there are two things that come to mind that, that I, I do remember. One is... Um, I've worked with several clients who were disassociative identity disorder, commonly referred to as a multiple personality. And I've had several clients uh, who were multiples. And they're my fa- they were they're so interesting. They're my favorite projects to work on. Um, because I get to know the alters. I enter into the dimension where the, their alters, their, their, the, the multiple personalities, I can enter their world. I, I mean, I can enter into that dimension where they exist and, and we form relationships and I let them talk sometimes for the first time. They're able to talk about what happened, who they are, what they do. And I can help them. And I have indeed helped them slowly integrate and pull that shattered psyche back together. Um, it can take time. Uh, because you have to go really slow. The alters don't trust anybody. So you got to go be really slow and really patient because the, so that they will learn to um, accept me. 
But once they do, uh, fascinating. Because we just sit in a group, in a room, in this dimension where they live, inside the psyche. And and I just let them talk and tell their stories. And I can kind of direct them a little bit. So that's one. Um, the other is um, women who've had abortions. Um, when I'm scanning physical bodies, I, I can see the abortion. I, I can see that there, there's, it, it kind of looks like, like little discs, um, little circles uh, of energy that's out of sync in her, in her lady parts. They're just not, it, it's just a different energy. It's just, a, you know, it's a different frequency of energy. It's just, hey, there's not right. There's stuff there. What is that? And I can tune into it. Um, and I can talk about the abortions with her. And we can, I had a client, for example, had, who had had three abortions over her life. And, and we, I, we worked on each one separately. I tracked to the soul, the, the soul of that aborted child. Are, we, are you okay? Is there trauma about this? Is there, you know, and, and, and a lot of times there's not. A lot of times the soul knows that it, it's not going to reach an incarnation. And so it just comes down and there's an abortion and it goes back up. And then it comes down, you know, into another um, but a lot of times there's some real trauma about a specific abortion um, that maybe this woman has been living with for decades and um, it's haunted her and, and there's all sorts of energy about it. And we're able to work that through and clear it and release her from the emotional bonds uh, of that of that abortion. In one case, there were multiple abortions. We breezed through and I said, yeah, this one's okay. This one's okay. The The third one, I said, I, I kind of tuned in and I said, you wanted this child. You wanted this one. And she started crying. And she said, how do you know that? And I said, I can see it. I see the bonds to your soul. You, you, you formed energetic, spiritual, emotional bonds with this soul. I can see it. The bonds are still there. I said, you wanted this one. And she said, she was crying. She said, yeah, I did. Um, but circumstances. And so we cleared that. We were able to, it took some time, layer by layer. We cleared her connection with the soul. The soul was okay. You know, um, there was some very interesting past lifetime stuff between these two souls, between mother and child. They had had multiple incarnations together before in various relationships, sisters or father, daughter or whatever it was. Um, so there was a real bonding there and, but it just didn't happen in this lifetime. So we kind of, I, I, I worked with the soul and cleared her, that soul's trauma about this abortion, worked there, cleared all of the emotional trauma that the woman had about having, you know, conceiving this child and really wanting it, but not being able to, for whatever reason. Um, those are probably, I mean, I get misty talking about, about that. Um, it was very moving. I do have these kind of encounters with people that it does get very moving and very emotional. And it was very gratifying at the end to free her from that, you know, herself, her guilt and her shame and her self-recrimination for aborting that aborting that job. Um, we were able to clear it up. Um, so 
those are the ones that I remember the most of all the work that I do. Patrick, do you have any concluding thoughts for our very attentively listening audience today? Uh, well, um, you know, LeBan, I'm, I'm going to go back to what I said before. This is a new technology. Um, and, it, and, and, and we're just really starting to understand it. There are not a whole lot of people on the planet that, that really understand it. There's some. I'm not the only one. But this is a new technology, but there's hard science behind it. Um, and, and that translates into that, what we talked about with, you know, the cancer patient. You meet with people who understand what's going on with you, and they know what to do to help you. And, and again, I, I, I would just say that for people out there who may have suffered these kinds of really ugly um, kinds of traumas. Um, there are techniques to available to you to um, to free you from these kinds of traumas and the depressions and the headaches and the illnesses and the sadness and all the kinds of things that uh, come along with this kind of thing. I've been doing this for um, 11 years and I've seen an awful lot of stuff. Uh, but the, probably the most important message I can give you is uh, you can you can, there is resolution out there and you can resolve these things and be free of it, however ugly it might be. I've seen a lot of really ugly stuff that I haven't talked about tonight. Um, it can be really dark and really ugly and really scary, but whatever it is, um, there are ways to deal with it. So um, I'll leave you with that. Ladies and gentlemen, Patrick Carroll. It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training. Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available and not only just bring them on but to develop relationships with them that build into know like and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire you'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience go to podcastingheroes.com it's p-o-d-c-a-s-t-i-n-g-h-e-r-o-e-s.com